Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And it is September 13th, 2016. You are indeed Locked On Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And today, and really for the rest of this week, We'll have some special special guests starting today with Wes Goldberg and David Ramil of Locked On Heat. Uh, a little bit of a long conversation, so I'm not going to spend too much time setting it up. Be sure to stay tuned after as I add some additional comments to that as well. Um, of course, be sure to listen to all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network, including our friends from that cover the team that team in South Florida, the Miami Heat on Locked On Heat. Uh, David and Wes do a fantastic job. They're both in for Summer League. Fantastic people. Uh, I would give them five stars if, if you could rate people on iTunes, but all I can do is rate their podcast on iTunes, and so I would give it five stars. Definitely worth a listen if you care to know what's going on with the Heat. And really, you should be doing that for all the Locked On podcasts, including this one, Locked On Magic. You can find us on Audioboom, iTunes, and Stitcher. Give us a five-star rating as well as a nice review. We certainly appreciate that as the season comes closer. Be sure to tell your friends as well. And if your friends aren't Magic fans or aren't Heat fans, you can also tell them that they can find just about any NBA or NFL team that they're looking for on Locked On's podcast network. Uh, We've just uh, had a big announcement that Danny LaRue would be running Locked On Warriors. We've, of course, got Locked On Buccaneers, Locked On Jaguars, and Locked On Dolphins as they wrap up their recaps of Week 1 and head into Week 2 of the NFL season. Like I said, doing a lot of collaborations this week uh, as we get set for the NBA season. Uh, I was joined today by uh, Wes Goldberg and David Ramil of Locked On Heat. We had a great conversation about the state of our teams, and it's really kind of interesting, uh, as, as you'll see here in this discussion, the Heat and the Magic are really in similar positions. Uh, they're both teams that are going to be fighting for playoff positioning and, and really fighting within with a lot of the teams in the Southeast Division for where they want to stand uh, as far as playoff seeding goes, as far as playoff positioning goes, and as far as divisional positioning goes, if if that even matters anymore. Uh, But the Heat are full of questions just like the Magic are, especially in the wake of Dwayne Wade's departure and the questions about Chris Bosh's health as well. It's a really, really interesting conversation. Uh, it's, It's incredible to think how successful the Magic and the Heat have been as franchises, um, the, probably the two most successful of the four late ninety late uh, 80s expansion franchises, uh, since the Magic joined the NBA in the 1990s season, neither the Heat nor there's been at least one Florida team in the playoffs for all but four seasons. The last time was 2015 that that did not happen, and this could very well be number five unless uh, one of these teams gets their act together and discovers their identity. So be sure to listen to this conversation and stay tuned after. I'll talk a little bit. Uh, I'll do our next uh, series in our Player Outlook series after the conversation that I had with uh, David Ramil and Wes Goldberg. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. 
Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Uh, this is Phil Rossmanreich of Locked On Magic. Uh, uh, maybe you guys should rep- should introduce your voices. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. They can figure it out, I think. Um, Wes Goldberg of Locked On Heat. David Ramil, co-host of Locked On Heat. And uh, this is the Locked On Florida basketball podcast, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Locked On Florida, yeah. Except, uh, yeah. Uh, except we're not going to be talking about the the thirty for thirty doc, uh, the SEC story documentary t- uh, that that airs tomorrow. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, real basketball, NBA basketball. Uh, and uh, I know uh, Magic and Heat fans are used to success, and and this year, this year feels kind of odd because I, I don't think anyone expects the mat. No one's like ready to say the Magic or the Heat are going to make the playoffs for sure this year. What, what are your guys' feelings? Uh, I, I know I've talked a lot about how the Magic are kind of in this weird transition mode and trying to become more relevant and, and hit, you know, no one knows what they're going to be. How are you guys feeling about, about the heat's well, chances so far? What was that stat you brought up earlier before we started recording? That was uh, a good yeah, stat. It's it, it. I was looking this up cause I, I thought it was longer, but the last time the magic or the heat didn't make the playoffs was 2015. There's been at least one Florida NBA team in the playoffs, uh, for, uh, well, shoot, I'm saying this completely wrong. There's only been four years since the Magic came into the league in 1990 where neither the Magic nor the Heat were in the playoffs. That's pretty wild. That yeah. speaks a lot to like the consistency of both teams. Yes. It speaks a lot to how much people want to come play in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I know David and I, we've been talking, we've been doing this series about um, the top five players at each position in, my, in, in Heat history. And a lot of what keeps coming up is how the Heat, like there was the first few years that were really bad, but overall, like in like relative to other franchises, they kind of achieved and then like sustained some sort of success or like playoff relevancy pretty quickly. You look at like a team like the Bobcats turned Hornets or like you know New Orleans, the you know the New Orleans franchise or whatever, like these franchises that have Minnesota, yeah, that have basically been created and had never are still like just going through rebuilds and and, and you know, quote unquote expansions, expansion type years, but like both the Heat and the Magic are kind of like they they got on the scene and like immediately started getting to business in like a good way. Yeah, I think a lot of that and in Miami, in particular, has a, to do with you know Pat Riley coming in here in '95 and and only missing the playoffs since he joined the team 21 years ago. I think they've missed it. What is it? Four times during his tenure here. So I mean, and there was some playoff success beforehand, if you can count at least making the playoffs. That was the big thing, you know, during those early years pre Riley. Uh, but yeah, Orlando certainly had a few different, you know, iterations of the team that have been able to guide them into the postseason. So that's you know clearly I think maybe you're right. Maybe there is something about players wanting to play here in Florida and, you know, the, the, this kind of success that the, the environment brings out in its players. Yeah, and, and obviously the Magic, you know, as as we've seen in the documentary that, that's, that I've talked about God knows how many times, uh, you know, Shaquille O'Neal obviously changes the, the franchise's fortunes. You know, they've always Shaq. been able to – huh? The Shaq and Penny documentary? Yes, yes, that, yeah, that would be the yeah. one, um, this Magic moment. Uh, it, 
Shaq obviously changed everything for the Magic, and uh, and the Magic have always been very, very good about finding another star. They went from Shaq to Penny, uh, skipped a year, went to T-Mac, then straight to Dwight Howard. They've always had a star, and I think what's really been interesting about the last four years in Magic history is is they t- undertook this, this massive rebuild, which they've never had to do. They've always kind of gone for the quick fix, and now they've tried to do this massive rebuild. They haven't been able to find that star, and you know, it, it it may surprise you guys you guys about this, but the Magic the, the the four year playoff drought that the Magic are in right now is is tied for the longest playoff drought in team history uh, with the first four years of the franchise. So I think there's there's a lot of pressure to make the playoffs this year, uh, and that at least partially explains uh, I'm sure some of the questions you'll have about about what the Magic did this summer. Well, no, let's get into that because I mean, you say that the team's lacking a, a superstar, but they've made several changes. Why don't you? Break down for our listeners a little bit more about what's happened in Orlando and what you can expect out of the team this year. Well, if you haven't heard, uh, quite a bit happened in Orlando this <laughs> offseason. Uh, it all start. I'll I'll, I'll 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 spin you a yarn here. Uh, it all started when uh, Scott Skiles resigned uh, quite suddenly uh, at the beginning of the summer. The Magic went out and hired Frank Vogel, which I think has been universally praised. I mean, I know I had people telling me the Magic should fire Skiles to go hire Vogel uh, once the Pacers announced they weren't going to renew Vogel's deal. Uh, but then after that, things seem to get stranger in some sense. But but also, if you think about some things through it, it does make a little bit of sense what the Magic are gambling on, at least. They went out and traded Victor Oladipo along with their first-round pick, DeMontis Sabonis, for Serge Ibaka. They went out and signed Bismack Biombo to add more rim protection and, and frontcourt help. Uh, they re-signed Evan Fournier. They added some veterans like DJ Augustin and Jeff Green in free agency. Uh, and they really transformed the roster. And... A lot of people, certainly national pe- national media, have asked, you know, what are the Magic doing? This really doesn't make sense. Uh, and there's certainly parts of it that, that don't make as much sense. I, I, I do wonder whether Bismack Biombo and Serge Ibaka don't uh, duplicate uh, each other's skills. I, I question whether Aaron Gordon playing the three is the right decision. But at the end of the day, I think it's pretty clear the Magic are betting that defense is their ticket to the playoffs. Like I said, they've missed the playoffs the last four years. There's tremendous pressure to make the playoffs this year, and they know that last year, 10 of the top 11 teams in defensive rating made the playoffs. The only team that didn't was Utah Jazz, and I think a lot a lot of people would probably recognize they would have made the playoffs if not for late-season injuries to guys like Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors. They were on track, and, and they're favored to, to sneak into the, to get to get into the playoffs this year out west. Uh, but the Magic no defense is how you get in, and you can figure things out from there. If you have a strong defense, you have a good chance. Uh, and so... I think the Magic are banking on that to get into the playoffs, and that's really what drove all their decisions from hiring Vogel, from getting Ibaka, from signing a Biombo, to even moving Aaron Gordon to the three more permanently. They're trying to uh, establish an identity that, that they've been missing for the last four years, and so they made a lot of changes this summer. There's a lot of questions about whether guys can step into roles. I certainly have a lot of questions myself, uh, but we'll see what, what they end up doing and how it ends up coming, coming down in a couple weeks here. I think the Vogel edition is going to – I think of everything they did between Abaka and Biombo and, and, you know, trading Old Depot, I think Frank Vogel being the head coach is going to make the biggest difference only because you're going from probably the worst coaching situation in the league or one of them the last few years to having at the very least, at the very worst, an above average head coach, right? And so just that difference between like absolute garbage and I, I – I, 
don't want to like diss Scott Skiles and Jacques Vaughn all that much, but there was no real proof that any like they they even really existed during games or that they were even there. And now you have Frank Vogel, who's so much. He, you know, he's a real coach. He does like game plans and stuff like that, which is like amazing. And it's gonna be the first time Magic had anything like that since Stan Van Gundy. I think that's gonna make a huge difference. Like, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I think when I say that he's probably worth ten wins. I think the the difference between what it was and what they have now is that big. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you're necessarily wrong on that point. Um, you know, Jacques Vaughn was a babysitter, a nice guy. Yes. You know, but he was he was there to babysit a team that was that was losing on purpose. That uh, dude was like quoting term. Maya Angelou or something like in his introductory press conference. Yeah, I remember. I think he did. Um, that was it was some sort of some some poet. I was like, what is this? Like, I was at that press conference covering it when I lived in Orlando. And I was like about Jock Vaughn because he came from the Spurs. I'm like, this has to be good. And then I yeah. walked. That, I walked out of that press conference like, who the hell is this guy? I like <laughs> when they when they hired Jock Vaughn. I was like, he's he's there to get you to the guy. And yeah, you know when they finally asked him to start winning games, he couldn't do it. And and you know you bring in Skiles, and Skiles has his track record. And you know the Skiles effect kicked in two years before the Magic expected it to. And and they got they pretty much got saved from themselves because. You know, as much as Skiles was a problem, they did improve by ten wins with Scott Skiles at the helm. And I agree. I think Vogel's worth at least five or six wins on his own. Uh, I wasn't against bringing back much of the same roster uh, with some added veterans and Frank Vogel in the mix to to see if that group could take another step. But obviously, the Magic felt a little bit more pressure. They they went out and got some got some players that were a bit more of a sure thing, I think, uh, and and moved on from some other players. Uh, it wasn't just a summer of change in Orlando, though. I know it was a summer of change in Miami as well. Um, did you know? Talk a little bit about what the what the Heat did this summer, and and obviously the elephant in the room. Did what happen with Dwayne Wade surprise you? Well, that's a that's a big question. There, I think it starts <laughs> off with uh, with Pat Riley's plan, as always, as he indicated in his end of season press conference. If there's a whale out there to be had, he's going to go and try and find one. And so he was, you know, representing one of six teams that was able to, you know, meet with Kevin Durant when he became the best available free agent this season. And although that seemed like a far-fetched plan, there was hope in Heat Nation that he'd actually somehow try and convince Durant to come to the team. But, of course, that never worked out the way Riley or most of those fans expected them to. So from there, it was a quick shift in policy, and several veterans decided to leave the team, uh, most notably Luol Deng who signed with the Los Angeles Lakers. Joe Johnson, who had come midway through last season, signed with the Utah Jazz. And, of course, as you alluded to, uh, Dwayne Wade, who chose to sign with the Chicago Bulls. Now, that was, you know, obviously a a difficult moment there. A lot of Heat fans expected this to come down in Miami's favor at the last second, as it had over the last couple seasons. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. And with Wade signing elsewhere, Miami kind of had to change their attack a little bit and wind up signing a number of veterans on short-term deals, not the least of which was Dion Waiters, who came here at the last second on a one-on-one type deal where he could possibly parlay his success in Miami to another contract in the future. But they and also by the brought way, in... you said Durant was the best available free agent at the time, and I know that you said that because Dion Waiters was restricted at that time. Had he been unrestricted, Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> okay, for, yeah, for, for the Magic fans listening to this, there's a, a love of Dion Waiters here. We were the, actually the people who created the idea that Waiters should join here when we started tweeting out Waiters Peninsula as an obvious <laughs> destination point for him, and it worked. So we're not, a, we're not afraid to admit that we we 
we created social change. Absolutely. And, 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 as, magic, and as magic fans know, Dion Waiters is is a prime magic killer. He's he's on he's on the list of magic killers in in the league right now. Yeah, he's he's going to be an NBA killer for the Heat. So who else did we bring on board then? So we got Wayne Ellington uh, for a two-year, $12 million deal. Uh, we brought in Derek Williams from the New York Knicks. He's done here in a one-year, $5 million deal. We got James Johnson, who was no longer uh, a, well, no longer a person of interest in Toronto, and we got him for a one-year, $4 million deal. So we brought in all these veterans on short-term deals. We also got Luke Babbitt in a short-term trade with the New Orleans the Hornets, basically. Yes. <laughs> Babbitt the Rabbit, as Wes has christened him. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if the nickname will stick, and I'm not sure what kind of an impact Babbitt will have, but he's part we of the team. We got Miami. We can get this one to stick, or I can. I don't know. <laughs> I think I might, I might be alone on that one. We also re-signed Tyler Johnson and Hassan Whiteside, obviously. So um, this team has really taken a different shape. I mean, the transition between what – the basketball that they're going to be playing from last year, what that's going to look like this year, I think is going to be so, so different. Just the way that they play, it's going to be a lot faster. I think they're going to be relying on trying to force some some spacing and things like that. But, you know, obviously, and it, we'll probably get to this in a bit, but after Wade left, the, the question turned to what's going on with Chris Bosh. And we don't really know. I mean, I think the the latest news is optimistic. You know, the latest news says that Chris Bosh expects to be cleared to play medically within the next few weeks, which is by far the most optimistic and hopeful thing we've heard in this entire saga, basically. So um, while everything kind of relies on Chris Bosh, uh, the additions, I think, were underwhelming. Other than waiters. I mean... (laughs) Yeah, it, it certainly seems like this Heat team is is as hard to peg as anyone else. Uh, you forgot to mention the most the most important offseason addition that the Heat made, and that is summer league Hall of Famer Willie Willie Reed. Mm. Uh, uh, obviously, Orlando summer league fans are very familiar with the Hall of Famer uh, and and his work for many years with with in, in the Orlando summer league. Uh, but you know, a lot of people are calling him the next Dwight Howard. Really. And of no, course, he took I... Okara White off the Magic Summer League team this year as well. Uh, but uh, um, not that Summer League matters for anything. But uh, it, I think I think it's really interesting looking at this Heat roster and trying to figure out how they're going to play. It's gonna it's gonna be so different. And of course, they got a great coach in Eric Spolstra, so I'm sure they'll they'll play above their their pay grade a little bit. But I think uh, you know before maybe we get into Bosch, but like I think, and this maybe will tie into Bosch, but the East. Pretty much every team in the East outside of Brooklyn and Philadelphia believes they can make the playoffs this year, and, and I, I would imagine Miami has the same goal that Orlando does to make the playoffs this season, uh, even with all the changes that have been made. What what do you see in Miami that that makes you makes you believe they that they are going to achieve that goal, and and what could kind of turn it one way or the other? I think the the loss of Wade, as painful as it is, you know, being the the face of the franchise for thirteen seasons. Um, there is some hope there that the keys to the car will be turned over to Goran Dragic, and I think that's the case. I think Spolstra has clearly said now Dragic gets the opportunity to lead the team, uh, and, and that works out very well for Goran's strengths. You know, he likes pushing the pace a lot. Um, and there were times last season and the half season before that when the Heat traded for him, where there was clearly some friction there between. Dwayne Wade and him, uh, not not necessarily friction of a personal nature, but just in styles of play. You know, Goran wanted to push the pace. Dwayne was much more 
of a slow it down kind of guy, more of the old man game, you know, which suited him as he as his athleticism declined in recent age. Um, so I think with with Dragic in charge there, I think we're going to see a, a new version of this team that we haven't seen in recent seasons. One that pushes the pace and that plays to the strengths of you know guys like Hassan Whiteside, Justice Winslow. And Josh Richardson, who was expected to be the starter before he underwent, uh, you know, an injury issue. Um, you know, we're not quite sure what's going to happen with him. He's, you know, sprained an MCL from what I understand. And he'll be out for about six to eight weeks, although no surgery is required. So we're not sure exactly how that's going to affect the starting lineup or who he's going to replace him. But clearly there, there, are some, there are some pieces in play here uh, that, you know, are better suited to play at a fast pace. And I think that's where the strength of this Miami team is going to be moving forward. I think just to jump on top of that, um, you know, a lot of the issue with Miami last season was while they had great individuals, Joe Johnson, Wade, Luol Deng, Hassan Whiteside, Goran Dragic, I mean, none of them really, you know, Chris Bosh for the first half of the season, but none of them really fit together. So it was a lot of, okay, your turn, okay, my turn type of deal. And while that's certainly enough to get to the playoffs, and it was, you know, as we saw last year, I think that there is value and there should be tangible value into a team that just plays better together or the pieces just fit a little bit better. Um, and I think the way that this team projects, this team fits better together. So while I, they won't, they clearly are not going to be as good as they were last year. I don't think the drop is going to be as severe just because you're getting a little additional value from a team that has more chemistry, at least from a skill standpoint. But um, right back at you, Philip. What do you think is the tipping point for the Magic this year? What has to break for everything to go right for them? Yeah, I mean, I think. I mean, I, I think what you're saying about the Heat is very similar to to the Magic. Uh, you know, they they are going to be predicated on defense. Like I said, um, I think that's that that's their gamble. That that if they can play elite level defense, you know, top ten in the league, if not higher. Um, that they'll make the, that they'll be in the conversation and and make a good push for the playoffs. I think we've seen it numerous times where, like the Charlotte the Charlotte Bobcats from a few years ago, uh, they had one of the best defenses by defensive rating in the league and one of the worst offenses, and they made the playoffs. Yes, they got swept by the by the Heat, I think, in that series, but they were in the, in the playoffs, and I, that's ultimately where the Magic want to go. Uh, but I think do you the think big defense could be that good, though. Huh? Do you think Magic's defense could be that good? That's where that's where I have a little bit of doubt um, in them. Uh, I think Vogel. I mean Vogel. Vogel's track record is really really good. Uh, he's turned. Or he's ha- he's coached a lot of really good defensive teams. Uh, but you know, I remember also that was the promise Scott Skiles made too. Everywhere he's gone, he's coached really good defensive teams. And the Magic last year were seventeenth in defensive rating. And unfortunately, and I think this is actually the big question the Magic will have to answer in the first month or so of the season. I think this is where we start to, you know, definitively say whether Nikola Vucevic is a starting center in this league. For the longest time, Magic fans have said to cover up Nikola Vucevic's defensive deficiencies, and and he's he's better. He's continued to get better, but he's still not good enough. I think he gave up 52 percent at the rim last year, and it was down from 54, but 52 still not good enough. Um, We've always said he needs a guy like Serge Ibaka next to him, and there's only so many of those rim-protecting fours who can guard out on the perimeter with so many stretch fours now. And so the Magic went out and got Serge Ibaka. And you can tell every time like Frank Vogel talks about Ibaka that his eyes kind of light up. And he talk, like he said, you know, I believe we can teach Vucevic 
how to anticipate and get in position better. And then you ask him about Ibaka, and you can just kind of you kind of see his 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 countenance perk up a little bit, because Ibaka, you know, as much as he struggled statistically last year, you saw in the playoffs just what a, a disruptor he can be defensively. And the question I still have about all that is, well, Vucevic isn't Stephen Adams on defense, and and even right. even you know when Ibaka and Enos Cantor were together, Ibaka couldn't cover up all of Cantor's mistakes, and yeah. so. I think the big question and, and the, the the big question the Magic have to answer almost immediately because this whole season rests on having a great defense because their offense is going to be very piecemeal. They, they don't have a, a true star. Uh, you know, Ibaka has never used more than 20% of possessions in his career. Evan Fournier took a big step next year. Can he take another one? Is Aaron Gordon going to be able to like play the three? They don't have a lot of three-point shooting, so how are they going to spread the floor? Um, Nikola Vucevic is, is a reliable offensive player, but the, does his off- does his defense outweigh his offense for a team that needs to be elite defensively, not just good? Um, the question then becomes, can you play defense with Nikola Vucevic as your center? And I'm a little bit skeptical because I think one of the reasons Ibaka's defensive numbers went down so much uh, is because so many more teams employ stretch fours and Ibaka was pulled further and further away from the basket. I'd rather have Ibaka just planted in the paint at center than to have him guarding a four out on the perimeter and have to come in, recover, and then get back out to a, to a potential shooter. And I think that could be a potential weakness in, in the Magic's defense that teams are going to try to exploit. And ultimately, I think it's it's not using Ibaka the most effective way that they can. And so I think the, the Vucevic question is going to be a big one that, that finally has to get some uh, definitive answer and, and they've got Biombo now to put pressure on Vucevic as well, so they have a guy that, that maybe they feel comfortable starting now too uh, so that they can bring Vucevic off the bench and still use his offense. You know, it's, you bring up Ibaka, and, and you know, obviously that was a, a pretty big trade completed, if I'm not, not mistaken, right on draft day? That, that's, yeah, I think that's they, right, yeah. They, they said they made the deal while they were on the clock, essentially. Okay, and you know, obviously there are ties between Rob Hennigan and Sam Presti in Oklahoma City, so that seems to make sense why that deal was done. But a lot of people, I think, across the country get the sense that Orlando was fleeced a little bit because, you know, Ibaka's on the last year of his deal. Um, they gave up an awful lot to get him. I think Ursan Ilyasova was included in the deal along with a draft pick who wound up being uh, Sabonis. And Oladipo, you know, clearly an athletic player, uh, still young, uh, cheap because he's still on his rookie deal, and he's on the last year of his deal as well. So uh, there's a lot of potential there. So a lot of people felt that you know Orlando got the worst end of the deal. But you know I've, I've covered a lot of Magic games with you, and and although I think Oladipo is a great person and a fun interview, I don't know that he was necessarily as great uh, as a lot of people make him out to be. What's your sense on that trade? Do you feel like Orlando got? Uh, an even deal or were they fleeced as a lot of people suspect they were? I mean, I think I, 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 I'll, I'll say this. I think at the time I, I, I liked the deal in that the magic weren't looking for another rookie. I think from probably about the trade deadline when they traded Tobias Harris, I was telling other report, I was telling other reporters, the magic aren't using that draft pick. They're, they're going to trade that draft pick. So I, I think they were looking to trade that pick no matter what. And Sabonis, I don't think really fit what the magic were going to do. Uh, mm. I, I'm, I'm not a huge Sabonis guy. I think he's a traditional four. So he's, he's, he's a bench player. 
Uh, a lot of people are high on Ersan Oyasova, which I find kind of strange because I wasn't particularly impressed with him uh, during his during his stint with the Magic. But I think at the end of the day, the Magic kind of came to to a, a, a kind of a, a head with Victor Oladipo in that uh, Oladipo was going to demand a max contract uh, when he became a restricted free agent. The Magic weren't sure he was worth that max contract, and so they went out and got something that was a bit more of a sure thing. Uh, they know what Serge Ibaka is going to give them. They know that he gives them an identity. He fits a need that they have that they that they need. Uh, he brings in a veteran voice, a guy who's been around a winning culture uh, and can hopefully lead and set the tone. And, and hopefully they can also give him the opportunity to showcase his game and prove that he's worth whatever the Magic are willing to pay him this summer. Because certainly you're right with that expiring deal. Now the Magic are probably going to be in in the boat where if he plays well, they're going to have to give him money to justify trading away a young guy like Oladipo. But at the same time, Oladipo has had a lot of flaws. He never really turned into the star that the Magic needed. And so the Magic just went with a little bit more certainty, I think, than, uh, than kind of seeing if Oladipo could spend another year trying to figure out if he's, he's a star or not. And uh, I, think, I, I, I don't think the Magic got fleeced. Uh, but having said that, after the Magic got Bismack Biombo, I keep thinking to myself, the Magic really need a guy who can create off the dribble and kind of create his own offense and Oladipo isn't perfect for that but he was someone that would fit this team really well and, and help make them a little bit more complete uh, you know you could run a lineup with Gordon Biombo kind of on the block Gordon can help spread the floor a little bit uh, you have Fournier who was he's not a great defensive three but uh, you put a rim protector behind him maybe he's a little bit better and he's much better offensively as a three than a two and then you have Oladipo who can still kind of turn in, turn into a star and and continue to improve his shot and, and kind of begin to hit those marks that you need him to hit. And so that part of it, with, with in light of what else happened this summer, uh, it, it confused me a little bit more than it did at the time. I, I think at the time I liked the idea. I, I felt that the Magic needed to do something to shake things up. And uh, as the summer went on, it was just like, well, seeing how these pieces fit is, is a little difficult to, to see at this point. Personally, I, I love the trade for both sides. I think that we have a, a tendency to try to figure out who won or lost a trade like immediately after it happens. Sure. But I thought it yeah. made a lot of sense for both sides. I mean, you look from the Thunder, um, this is pre-Durant going to the Warriors, but even even you know after that happened, it still makes sense, I think, for the Thunder because you looked at what Serge Ibaka was doing, and he, he, he plateaued in the situation he was in. I mean, you were talking about it earlier, how... They they made him play this stretch four position. They took him away from the rim, and you know, with guys like Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant and all that, and you know, they needed they needed as much space in the paint as that they as they could find. So having Ibaka planted in there just wasn't working. And then on defense, obviously, with the with the um, development of Stephen Adams and Ibaka having to guard these new stretch fours, then you know, it just it wasn't the right situation for him. And then for, for, on the same. The same thing for Oladipo in Orlando. They were asking him to be the guy, and he just wasn't the guy. He's not a guy that was capable of being the number one or maybe even a number two option. You know, I don't think that that's his role in the NBA. I look at Oladipo as, you know, a potential Andre Iguodala type it's, who certainly it's... did that. But, you know, he did that at times early in his career. He made all-star games. But, you know, as we saw with you know, Iguodala in Golden State, he's best in this kind of situation where he can just kind of be a glue guy or a missing, you know, a missing link type player who can help facilitate and handle the ball a little bit, shoot a little bit, and, and just do a couple of different things. 
And I really like Oladipo in Oklahoma City. I would have liked him a lot more if Durant was still there. But I really like that fit for Oklahoma City. So I think the fit is really good for both teams. And yeah, both guys are, you know, their contracts are coming up. But I, I do think that us as, um, you know, podcasters and bloggers and writers and everything, I think we tend to maybe look at that contract thing a little bit so, too much because I think we have such a macro view of things in general, where I think these teams are basically saying, we have an 82-game season coming up, possibly longer if we make the playoffs. We need better. We need more better players, yeah. and we can get one right now. And, and they, so they have their bird rights, so it's not like they can't. Right. They can't keep them. Like it's it's it the bird like the bird rights thing is is a big deal. Yeah, and 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 you know Ibaka and Old Depot can make more money, you know, potentially if they stay with their respective team right now. The missing link to me for the Magic though, with Old Depot gone, that makes a lot of space for Mario Hazonia. And I think that he has there. He didn't play a lot under Scott Skiles because Scott Skiles hated him. Yes. Um, but now, <laughs> with the opportunity, you know, with Old Depot gone, I think that you know he can make a sophomore jump. I think that a lot of people are forgetting about him because he was so quiet his rookie season, and because that rookie class was so freaking good. But I think he has an opportunity right now. He, to me, he's one of the under-radar, under-the-radar guys to watch this season because I think he could be really good. I think while Oladipo wasn't a star and he couldn't be a star, I think Hazonia could be a star player. Yeah, and it's, I mean, and, and back to your point on Oladipo, I, I agree. I think that is a perfect fit. I was saying on draft night, Oladipo is going to play the Dion Waiters role better than Dion Waiters ever could uh, for, for mm-hmm. Oklahoma City. I mean, I know, I know you guys are all aboard Waiter on Waiters Island. Uh, on the on Dion the Waiters, Waiters is over the Dion Waiters role. That's the thing. Dion Waiters is going to go to the Kobe Bryant role. Exactly. Now. That's exactly. Yeah. Victor Oladipo can't do the Kobe Bryant role, but he can do the Dion Waiters role really well. Um, yeah. And even as a sidekick to Russell Westbrook, I think he's going to be really, really good. I think that is a really mm-hmm. good role for him. Uh, but back to Hazonia, um, yeah, I think I, you know, I think Hazonia had a lot of learning to do. I think there's this reputation that Hazonia is this, this really cocky guy. And, uh, you know, yeah, he's, he's a kid. He, I mean, he's, he's literally just a, a big kid. I, I, I took a video of him at, uh, at uh, Christmas Eve, the magic had a practice and they didn't really have a practice. They, the coaches, kids came and just kind of goofed off with the players. And while we were waiting for players to come out so we could ask them what their Christmas plans were, uh, Hazonia was playing with some of the coaches, kids and was just, you know, literally playing with them like just ha- just goofing off having a good time and that was the Mario Hazonia I kind of knew and he, he he knew he had a lot to learn and I think um Skiles kind of took the joy out of he taught him a lot and he did get better but he kind of took a lot of the joy and confidence out of his game that made him so popular I feel like Skiles has that effect on people he does uh, and 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 like at the end of the season, like we were all sitting there, just like let Hisonia make some mistakes, like let him off his leash yeah. a little bit, and he just never would let him off the leash. Like he had a game where he had five steals, and I think Skiles in his press conference after the game said, "Yeah, but he probably, you know, five steals isn't necessarily a good thing. He probably missed a lot more, um, and and was out of position defensively." And it's just like Skiles is kind of backhanded compliments, you know, like passive aggressiveness wasn't wasn't good for Hisonia. Um I. I I don't know if he's quite there to become a star quite yet. Uh, at the Olympics, you know, he was kind of still relegated mm-hmm. to being a spot-up shooter, and, and I think he played that role well, but he still got a little immaturity. Like, his body language wasn't good. It, it definitely did not look like he was happy just kind of standing in the corner like he wanted to do more, and I think Vogel's going to let him do more, and I think that's going to really boost his career. I, I see his own as the Magic sixth man. I think he's going to handle the ball a lot uh, for the Magic this year, and, and I think his shooting numbers will, will – bounce back. Um, they weren't that impressive last year. 
Uh, but I think he'll get better, especially – I think Vogel's just a better teacher than Skiles. Probably less tough love, more uh, – you know, more pats on the back, you know, make, you know, make your mistakes, but learn from them. Don't repeat them. I'm not going to pull you just because you make a mistake. Um, and I think that was a big problem for a young player like Azonia uh, playing under Skiles. I mean, even Aaron Gordon, it took a while for Gordon to get Skiles' trust and, and it was inconsistent then. Um, I know, I know Magic fans are definitely worried about Hazonia in comparison to the rest of his rookie class. Uh, Justice Winslow's a guy the Magic had their eye on uh, that draft as well. What's what's in store for him his second year? That's a good question. I, I, I think he's the, the one that everybody has their hopes pinned on as far as Heat fans are concerned because with Wade's absence now, obviously he takes on a much larger role. And, you know, you were there in Summer League along with us and, and you heard from coaches, um, although I don't think we ever saw clear evidence of this while he was playing, but – Apparently, the role is for him to become much more of a playmaker. I, he was handling the ball a lot more than he ever did during his rookie season. But, of course, as you pointed out, it's just summer league and it doesn't really matter. But apparently, that's something that they want more from him. With you know, Although Goran Dragic is going to be obviously handling the ball a substantial amount, they want the ball in Winslow's hands and they want him to be more of a facilitator, much more of a, a, a you know somebody who gets the offense going because his shooting is still a problem. Now, we've seen reports... I'm not sure how many of your listeners know about it, but you know Winslow's shooting was a real problem during his rookie season. He had defenders, you know, shagging off him considerably. Uh, it was just some, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. He he was a problem there, um, and you know he's got a great first step. He's a hell of a defender, but you know as far as his jumper is concerned, that needs a lot of work. But apparently, he's been getting it during the off season. He's had a a shooting coach who's been working with him and. You know, of course, that we're not sure exactly what the results of that will be, but everybody seems to be encouraged as they so often are during the off season. But I think that's the the first step for him is to to kind of take that next step as a shooter, as an offensive facilitator, a playmaker, and then with a, a defender like him, there are so many different things that you can do, and he really gives the team a lot of versatility. As you probably remember, during the playoffs against Toronto. He played center when Hassan Whiteside was out. He's capable of guarding quicker perimeter players. He did a heck of a job in a, you know, during the regular season on guys like LeBron James and Paul George and others. Kevin Durant. There was a good stretch there where he was guarding some of the top scorers and players in the game. And he did. He held his own very well, even as a, just a reserve. He was able to come in there and infuse his own defensive identity there, and that was something that a lot of Heat fans took, you know, they appreciated and took notice of. And I think that's the next step for him is to continue to develop that and, and, and continue, like I said, being a playmaker. Yeah, I think um, with Winslow, you have a lot of the same questions you have with Aaron Gordon is he's got a lot of the right stuff. Like he can he's a good facilitator. He's a really, really good defender. You know, the, the athletic potential is certainly there. But because shooting is so important in today's in today's game, you know, if he doesn't have that, it can really, you know, limit his ceiling. But if he can become a good shooter, it really rounds out everything else and allows him the freedom to do all these other things. I think David's absolutely right when he says, you know, the, the Heat are going to expect him to handle the ball more. I think that's one way to counteract um, the lack of spacing that uh, Justice Winslow or even an Aaron Gordon. I mean, if the, ma- the Magic could be using Aaron Gordon as a facilitator at times too, because when the guy has the ball, you still have to guard him to some respect if he's looking for if he's looking to pass it. You can't just let him you know, have a wide open window to, to get a guy an assist or whatever it might be, or to take a shot even. But um, I think that's one way to counteract for both teams, one way to counteract maybe their lack of spacing or lack of shooting 
when one of those guys are in the game. And and Gordon said that that Vogel has told him he wants him learning how to play pick and roll and being on the ball a lot more. And, and there's you know, it it being it being muscle watch season. Uh, there there was some video of Aaron Gordon working on his ball handling and you know dribbling with tennis balls and you know doing all those all those ball handling drills that that NBA players do. Um, I saw him live. I saw him live when Arizona played Cal out here. Um, his last year in Arizona. Well, I don't know he if he only was had one, one year in Arizona. <laughs> okay, so it was his first and his last year in Arizona. And uh, when you when I saw him live, I was actually really impressed with his vision because you can't really get a sense of it on TV all the time. But when you know in person, you can really see like, okay, this is what this is where this guy's looking. This is what he's facing. But he can really see all of his teammates. And I really thought that. I mean, as far as a ball handler, he wasn't great at Arizona, but you could definitely see that he had the touch or the, or the feel to get guys the ball in scoring position. And I thought that was a really um, important part of Arizona's offense. And that was the year that they were like ranked number one for a long time. They lost that game to Cal. That was one of Aaron Gordon's worst games statistically. <laughs> but, but that said, like that was one of his worst games statistically of the season, but I still came away pretty impressed. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I think like, a big thing for Aaron this year was just staying healthy. Um, he, I mean, he last year, I mean, his rookie year, he broke his foot about a month into the season. Uh, you know, he, he came back was okay, but you know, everyone knew he was a project. He had a long way to go. Uh, you know, I, I, were you at summer league last year, David? I was, I mean, you were, he was amazing. Yeah, yeah. He was amazing for that first few days there. Yeah. I mean, he was really impressive running the break, shooting from the outside. He was the best player of the tournament during the first couple of days. And then, yeah, all of a sudden it came to a crashing end. And yeah, it was terrible because, you know, he, he did look so dominant there and you hoped that that could translate into the regular season. Unfortunately, it never happened. Yeah. And it, I mean, it never really happened because he broke his jaw in July. And so he pretty much had to stop doing all basketball work. All he could do was kind of shoot set shots. And even when training camp began in September, he wasn't cleared for contact. So I, I know early on in training camp, he was doing like the shooting drills and some of the, the, other like physical drills, but he wasn't allowed to scrimmage. He wasn't allowed to do like live defense. And, you know, especially with a coach like Scott Skiles, who doesn't trust young players, it, it takes a while to, to gain that trust and get that comfort. And uh, for a player like Aaron Gordon, who's just so raw. And like, I, I literally say he's, he's a, he's a blank slate. He's kind of this unwritten book. Uh, he needs that experience and he needs that time to work and get better. And so, you know, when I, when I saw how he, I mean, literally, I mean, David, you, you can attest to this too. Like, that summer league, we all, all of us, you know, who watched him all year kind of looked at each other. We're like, who is this player that we're seeing right, right now? Um, and, uh, I, you know, that was just from the end of April to July. So that was three months, you know, two months of, of working on his own. So now he's had from the end of April to September, you know, that's five months to work on his game. So, you know, there is, you know, I guess some optimism that if he could make that big of a leap, uh, you know, in that short amount of time as a, as from his rookie to sophomore year, you know, having played pretty well to end his rookie year, end his sophomore year, um, perhaps he can make another kind of big leap this year. And so, you know, I, I, we were talking about this before the, before we started recording, but, you know, Gordon could end up being that guy for the magic and we just don't know it yet because we haven't seen him play. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And, I, you know, that brings up another player that I'm kind of curious about. And I'm sure you could probably discuss a little bit more and that's, Alfred Payton, you know, he's he's at a critical point now. He said the third year, but you know, he's had his struggles. You know, not just as a shooter, uh, he did have some issues with Skiles. 
um, whether or not they wanted to turn over the team to him and, and what kind of a role he could play with the Magic. How do you see him developing this season and, and, and what's what do you, how do you anticipate him being able to work alongside Vogel you know, that in this new era? Yeah, it's been a short career for Peyton. He's already had four head coaches. This is, this, you know, Vogel will be his fourth head coach. And, and he's at a, a really you know, pivotal point in his short career. What's next for Alfred Payton? How, how do the fans in Orlando feel about him? And what do you expect him to – how do you project for his development this year? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think uh, Alfred Payton is probably the, the biggest mystery – uh, on the Magic roster, um, you know he had that great rookie year, and really, I mean, as bad as it seemed like Peyton did, if you look at his his at least production numbers, his points went up, his field goal shooting went up, his assists stayed kind of flat, but he seemed to take some steps forward. But where he took a major step back was defensively, and you right. know I've spent you know I've probably spent my entire summer telling everyone who will listen to me, the Magic have to be good defensively, and that has to start with Alfred Payton. There's there's no getting around it. Um, they have to get more from Peyton on that end as, as kind of the point of attack. I mean, you talk about how bad Vucevic was. Peyton was probably worse last year uh, on the defensive end. Uh, certainly defensive box plus minus suggests that too. Uh, but, you know, I think a new coach, uh, a coach that maybe trusts him a little bit more, isn't going to ride him as hard, will, will help. But I do wonder, can Peyton run an offense that's a motion-based offense? We don't, we don't really know what kind of offense Frank Vogel is going to run with this Magic team. During summer right. league, it looked like they were running some Princeton and some some motion sets, but that's obviously summer league. So who knows how much of that they're actually going to install with the regular team? Uh, but if it's another motion based offense and Peyton's off the ball more, that does you know what's that going to do to his, his mindset? How's that going to affect his offense? Um, can the Magic get him involved in pick and rolls more to get him in the paint? Because uh, once he's in the paint, he's really good at finding people, and and the Magic need to make the defense collapse and rotate. Uh, and Peyton is a really good weapon for that when he's on the ball. Um, obviously, he needs to become a better shooter. Vogel seems willing to let him shoot and wants him to shoot and wants to instill that confidence in him. And so that's a good sign. But I have some questions still about little things that, that Alfred Payton has to do to run an offense that uh, he didn't seem to get last year. And it's, it's hard to really kind of name what they are. It's just kind of a feel thing. It just looked like he wasn't fully engaged with the team last year, and that's that's a major problem. I think both of these teams have a lot of similarities, um, both at point guard. Can can Dragic and 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 Alfred Payton take that next step? Can can their respective teams get that return on investment that they were hoping for? Aaron Gordon and Justice Winslow, we already talked about, and their similarities. I think a lot of questions in the front court. Can Whiteside take that ne- next step? Can Nikola Vucevic take a next step and round out his game as well? I mean, there's there's a lot of similarities here. Um, before we end this thing, though, uh, let's just hypothetically in a seven game series between these two teams, just, let's just provide that Chris Bosh is healthy because I think if he's not healthy, I don't think there's any way that the Heat would win a seven-game series against the Magic. But if he was, who do you think wins a seven-game series between the two teams? If Bosh is healthy, I'm probably going to go... Uh, I'm actually looking at this Heat roster for kind of the first time, but I'd probably go Heat in seven. Uh, maybe whoever has home court wins it. Um, I, I think you kind of have to go. Well, hold player. on a second. Yeah, hold on a second because I've I've been in Orlando during heat games, and let me tell you, <laughs> that's, that's not point. much of a home court Good advantage. Point. Good point. Um, uh, hypothetical home court. Uh, hypothetical go. home court for Orlando. Um, but you know, they play, they play a neutral field in Orlando. 
Neutral, neutral court in Orlando. Yeah, I pr- I'll probably I'll 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 take the, I'll take the Heat. I'll, I'll go Heat in seven. I think if Bosch is healthy, he's the best player in the series. And you know, you, there's always that adage: best if you have the best player in the series, you have a chance to win. I mean, that's that's how, you know, that that's that's just kind of the way the league is. You know, one player can affect so much. And while the Magic do have Serge Ibaka. Uh, and do have some some guys who can defend Bosch, perhaps. Bosch is a guy that can that can make the that can stir the drink, so to speak. Uh, a big thing that I've always said about the Magic is who's going to stir the, who, who's the straw that stirs the drink just to seal the Reggie Jackson line. Uh, and Bosch, when he's healthy, can be that guy. He is as much of a star as anyone. Anyone, you know, he's as much of a star as any player that he'd have, as any player that would be in this series uh, that we know of at this point. I think the Magic just have a lot of questions that they've got to answer about guys taking on new roles. That, that's Evan Fournier taking a step up, too. That's Aaron Gordon figuring out who he is. That's even Alfred Payton figuring out who he is. And, you know, I think Dragic is a really good point guard. I think he can he can fill in. He's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. That He'd have a lot of really good young guys. And, you know, Spolstra and Vogel are two are two top coaches, and so I, I give the edge to the to the team with the better player, and I think that's Chris Bosh. And and you know if Bosh can come back anywhere near the effectiveness that we know he can be as a player, that's that's a star, that's an all star player right there. David, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think uh, you know the white side matchup is is one that uh, would be dominated by Miami. There, I think uh, I think he would be able to limit Vucevic somewhat. Um, I think Ibaka would have his hands full at this point in his career with Chris Bosch, who's you know clearly a, a good perimeter shooter and still, as we anticipate, has the speed to get past a guy like Ibaka. I think the the Gordon-Winslow matchup would be pretty good because although Gordon's a little taller than Winslow, I think Winslow's still strong enough to be able to to restrict. Uh, I think Winslow's strong enough to restrict, restrict Gordon there. And I think, uh, you know, it all depends on whether or not Josh Richardson can continue to develop also. So, you know, I think Evan Fournier, or Fournier is an underrated scorer. I mean, he's a, he's a hell of a shooter, as, as you know, Philip attested to. And, and you know, he's, he's not a bad defender overall. So he's a really good player that has gone under the radar. But I, I like the matchup in Miami's favor. I, I'm not sure how you felt about him, Philip, but I think, you know, a lot of people across the country probably aren't aware of how good Josh Richardson can be. We saw a lot of that potential last season. We saw it during the playoffs. And you saw it up close in summer league, but I think he's expected to be a major part of this team moving forward. You know, he's a second round pick, so he's a great value there. Um, but I think he fans are expecting a lot from him. So I, I, if I had to pick, I'd say heat and six, to be honest with you. I, maybe I'm a little biased, although I do cover the magic quite a bit, but I think the Miami team is just a little deeper, a little better at this point, especially if Chris Bosch is available. I'd probably have to say the same thing. I mean, what, what really strikes me as interesting for both of these teams is that they can, they could do some cool lineup stuff. Like for the Magic, I think there's a lot of interesting lineup stuff that they could do with whether it be going small with Ibaka at the five or going big with, you know, Ibaka at the four, Biombo at the five, and then like Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier, and Mario Zonia, like rounding out the rest of that, that lineup. I think that could be. If the Magic are going small, they could go Gordon at the five, I think. Yeah. And, and that's what, and with the Heat, they could go with Winslow at the five. I mean, Obviously, I don't think it's ideal for either case, but both, you know, I know the Heat have done it. The, the Magic can do it. I think there's some cool stuff there. That said, I think that the Heat are a little bit more seasoned. Um, I mean, their team is young, just like Orlando, but Richardson and Winslow were both in the playoffs last year. Whiteside has playoff experience. I think that matters for something. If this were a playoff series or whatever, I don't know what this series really is, but 
Um, that was my question, so I should probably know. But uh, <laughs> it's a theoretical battle for the state of Florida before we all sink underwater. I guess. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> but I we I want Bosch. Like if that was, I trust Bosch with that. It's, it's the NBA version of the the Walmart Sunshine Cup. <laughs> um, the battle of the pub sub. Uh, all right. Well, that's all the questions I think that I have. I mean, the only other thing I could think of was. Um, who has better hair between Alfred Payton and Justice Winslow? If everybody wants to just take their pick, not even close. That's Payton in the landslide, I think. Uh, that's that's right. Alfred in four right there. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to rep Justice Winslow. I'm just gonna I don't know why, but I'm just gonna rep him. I feel bad. He can't I mean, get swept. I mean, you want if you want a hair battle, Evan Fournier versus Justice Winslow perhaps is a little is a little more competitive. <laughs> Yes. I mean, Alfred has his own, like, don't they wear wigs to games? Don't fans, like, wear, like, are, Alfred Payton are, wigs? There are fans that have Alfred Payton wigs. Yeah, see, oh, I think, I mean, if you have your own hairstyle, you know, as a wig, I think clearly you have the advantage there. I mean, if you, if you can, if James Harden has his beard, you know, and, and Anthony Davis has the eyebrows, I think, I think clearly uh, Payton takes this battle. Well, I don't disagree with you. I just can't let Winslow get swept. <laughs> I'm a Heat fan. I can't let it happen. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Um, this was a lot. This was, this conversation was pretty fun. I like this. Yeah. I think let's... both teams might suck, and both or both teams might be pretty good. Or both teams will probably be somewhere in the middle. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. My thanks to Wes and David for uh, joining us, joining me on this podcast. I'll be joining them on Locked On Heat, so be sure to check that out later today as well. And check out Locked On Heat in general. I know David and Wes do a fantastic job on Locked On Heat. Listen to a few of those episodes myself. And always uh, check out the other, the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Basketball season is right around the corner. And we are in the midst of our two-week player outlook series as we get set for training camp to begin uh, in two weeks from today, yes, two weeks from today, we will have basketball news. Not not actual basketball yet. That That's still a few more weeks down the road, about a little bit less than a month, probably three weeks away or so. But teams will be back in practice. There will be NBA news. We'll be able to, to really begin to learn what the Magic are this, se- this season. And a big part of that question and a big part of that equation is... Probably the biggest acquisition of the offseason won Frank Vogel. Yes, it wasn't the, the acquisition maybe the Magic planned at the beginning of the summer, but it turned into something of a happy accident. You know, I took a lot of heat. I still take a lot of heat because I still believe this. For all of Scott Skiles' flaws, he did some good work last year as the Magic's head coach. Yes, people will say, oh, the Magic went 2-12 and in January and, and fell out of the playoff race, and they pinned that on Skiles. Or they'll say, oh, he quit on the team. Some of that may be true, and yes, some of that 2-12 and record does fall on Skiles. But this is a results business. 
And when you look at the results, the Magic went from 25 wins to 35 wins, changing virtually one thing. And that was Scott, and that was their head coach, Scott Skiles. That doesn't mean I don't think the Magic had a major upgrade at that position. For all the good Skiles does, he does a lot of negative too. And it's well documented. He's not a fan of rookies. He wants to win now. He doesn't see the forest for the trees. And it hurt It hurt guys. It certainly hurt players. You can certainly argue uh, bringing Victor Oladipo off the bench was the wrong move. I wouldn't. I think, it's, I think it was at that time the right move for, for a team that was looking to win. Certainly, I think he hurt Mario Hazonia's development. Uh, in some ways... You know, maybe even Aaron Gordon's development got hurt. Or Alfred Payton's development certainly got hurt. Alfred Payton felt like he was thrown under the bus. And so a new coach certainly brings in some new blood and some new mentalities. And for a team that's seeking an identity, they could not have found a better coach than Frank Vogel. Now, Frank Vogel is asking a lot of the same things that Scott Skiles asked. When the Magic brought in Scott Skiles, they were banking on a few things that he had done in previous stops. The first thing provides provides a defensive mentality. Everywhere Scott Skiles has gone, he's taken teams and made them an automatically top 10 defense and gotten them to the playoffs. That obviously did not happen in Orlando, and last year the Magic finished 17th in the league in defensive rating. So even the defense wasn't there. It seemed like the Scott Skiles drop-off that happens after about two, three seasons happened after one. Frank Vogel is very much the same results or the same mentality. In his six years as the head coach of the Indiana Pacers, they finished in the top 10 in defensive rating every single year, including finishing first two straight years, according to basketball reference, and finishing last year in third. Now, last year is actually pretty important because the team changed dramatically last year. They lost Roy Hibbert. They lost David West. They lost two defensive anchors. They brought Paul George back. They had... A weird mix in the backcourt with Monte Ellis playing a lot of shooting guard, not known as a good defender. Uh, Jan Mahimi was a starting center. I mean, it wasn't what it that didn't look like a top defensive team, but they were. And so there's certainly something to the the mentality and, and the philosophy that Frank Vogel brings, and that is at the very core. Like I said in, in the conversation with Wes and David, that is at the very core of what the Magic are trying to do. They're trying to build a defensive juggernaut. And they certainly went out and got the personnel to do it. And it starts with Frank Vogel. Now, there's still questions about Frank Vogel. I still have some questions about Frank Vogel. This is a very different team than those Indiana Pacers teams. Yes, they're a little bit more veteran, but the starting lineup is still very, very young. Very, very inexperienced. Even adding Serge Ibaka leaves them somewhat inexperienced. But Vogel is a very different coach than Scott Skiles, and I think this is the reason why he's, he was successful in Indiana and why he can be successful with the Magic. Vogel is a relationship guy. He's a player development coach. He, he's, he trusted Miles Turner last year to anchor a top three defense. He helped nurture Paul George and turn him into a superstar. It all started on the defensive end. That's where you gain trust. And then you grow from there. And Vogel's someone that's going to nurture that. He's not like Skiles, that you make a mistake, you're on the bench. You're going to learn from him. He's a, he's, he started his, his career as a video, t- video coordinator. And 
one of the reasons that supposedly Indiana got rid of him, he was too involved in the video and the X's and O's and maybe wasn't as tough as some people thought he needed to be sometimes. But he's very kind of analytically driven. He's very uh, hands-on and he's very relatable. He, he's, you know, got this kind of aw shucks demeanor, but he's he's very hard worker and, and players respect him for it. And that's where I think the big difference will be. And I've talked about it a little bit. But Vogel, what what will make Vogel successful this year? And what could make him successful with the Magic is that he sees that he sees the bigger plan. Now, like we've said, the Magic are in playoff now mode. And so how he manages games is going to be interesting. He's got a weird roster that doesn't have a clear fit, and I don't think he's ever had a roster quite like this. He's never had a, a, a team that doesn't that the pieces don't seem to fit perfectly together. But we will see exactly how Vogel puts it all to, puts it all together, and, and I think he's really really smart. I've always been very impressed with him ever since. I mean, the first time I interacted with Frank Vogel was at the playoffs in 2012. Uh, when the Pacers beat the Magic, and I just remember walking away from that saying, he is really, really sharp. And it's the way he carries himself, and of course, the way his team plays for him. So the Magic got a definite upgrade at coach this this year. I, I don't think anyone is debating that. The question, though, as always, is, is that enough to get into the playoffs? And that is still a huge question, and obviously a question that the roster will have to answer as much as the coach. But Vogel's strengths are very, very clear, and it fits exactly what the Magic are trying to do. And for the Magic to achieve their goals, they're going to have to trust and buy in to what Frank Vogel is teaching and preaching this season. And we'll see if that happens. Again, sorry this episode was a little bit long. I wanted to make sure I got everything in, stay up to date with our uh, with our player outlooks. Uh, we'll be doing that for the next few weeks in addition to some of these special uh, podcasts that we're doing as well. Uh, tomorrow, I will be joined by, uh, by uh, Locked On Thunder's Fred Katz. Uh, we'll be discussing, uh, what do you think we'll be discussing? Russell Westbrook, of course. Now, we'll be discussing the, the trade of uh, Victor Oladipo for Serge Ibaka, as well as the, the other players in that deal. And so that should be a really fun conversation. I hope you enjoyed this conversation that we had with Wes Goldberg and David Ramil of Locked On Heat. Be sure to follow them uh, on Twitter. Um, now, let me get their Twitter for you real fast so I uh, can give them some love. Uh, be sure to, f- to follow us on iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher. Leave us a review. You can follow them on Twitter at LockedOnHeat as well as at WC Goldberg and at DRamil13. I know they would appreciate that very much as well. Uh, be sure to give them a listen and uh, check out their podcast as well. You can also follow me on Twitter at OmagicDaily. Be sure to drop us some some uh, some love on iTunes as well. We, we appreciate all the positive reviews as well as uh, any feedback you have for the show. I will be back tomorrow with another episode of Locked On Magic. Until then, have a great day, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow. You're Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 
Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.